Good morning. My name is Mark Withers. Uh, I got asked to introduce my dad who's speaking today, so I thought I'd wear my Sunday best. No booze, thanks. There's nothing to boo here, really. Um, it's more like sympathy, right? Um, so, uh, obviously, the guy speaking has been my dad for 50 years. Um, and uh, when I was uh, seven, eight, or nine, I don't know the exact time, uh, he came down one Saturday morning and interrupted my cartoons to practice the VBS um, story that he was going to do the next week for our vacation Bible school at our church. And, and during that moment is when um, I put my faith in Christ. And, uh, and so, so that's uh, uh, just one of those things I remember about my dad. Um, and just I'm super grateful for being at home that they really pushed uh, and, and led uh, just a walk with Christ. Um, one thing in my own family, now that I've kids and stuff. Uh, the, uh, at age 11, he, um, uh, when the grandkids were age 11, he basically committed, um, obviously the Lord pressed on him to basically start discipling the grandkids starting at age 11 and uh, as often as they would want to meet, whether weekly or biweekly or monthly. And uh, we, they live a couple hours away, so it wasn't weekly for us. But, but since age 11, he, they's regularly poured into our own kids who um, three are now in college and, and one still in school. Um, uh, and that's just been a, I can't even tell you the impact that that's had in our family and my nephews that are in their upper 20s still want to meet with Pepa for discipleship. So, um, so there's my introduction to my dad and here's John Withers. Good morning, Apex. It's nice to see you. I I have a problem. Um, Mike's introduction there, you know, he said some things that just ruined me because the Bible's very clear that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And he called me, what, sage wisdom? Was that a spice? I'm not sure exactly. And he's already got so much going on me. You know, he's, he's tall, he's handsome, he's got that beautiful accent. Well, actually, I got the hair. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, he's just, he's such a great guy. And I'm so blessed and honored to get to be with you today. And uh, I like to uh, say what I'm going to say before I say it at the beginning instead of the end, in case some of you fall asleep, which is okay. If it's that boring, just go ahead. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> The point I'm going to try to make today is that we desperately need to have continuous intimacy with Jesus Christ. And that if we're going to be describe ourselves as followers of Jesus, then we need to recognize that uh, this type of relationship we have with him only exceeds and does and should exceed the marriage relationship in terms of intimacy. So we need to have that experience with him. And I fear that some people do not. So my goal, my desire today is that uh, when you leave, you will have a desire at least to have greater intimacy with Jesus Christ 
uh, for your sake and the sake of the mission that he's giving you in the world. So um, I want to read a passage that tells us um, um, what we should do. Uh, you don't have to look it up. It's short. It's uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14, uh, 5, 16. By, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want to focus on that little phrase, pray continually. In the King James, it says, pray without ceasing. And uh, we pretty much ignore it because the word prayer has been corrupted in our society and we do not understand it as intimacy and connection. We understand it as words. And uh, in, in my congregation that I attend, my pastor leads us in the Lord's Prayer every Sunday. And there isn't anything wrong with that, but it is a ritual. And it can cause you to have the impression that prayer is somewhat ritualistic. But it is no more a ritual for us to have intimacy with Jesus than it would be considered a ritual for you to spend time with your family. As a matter of fact, uh, prayer is corrupted even in our gatherings. In that sometimes the most flowery speaking people are called upon to lead in the public prayer. And then some who may not understand intimacy with Jesus would think, well, that must be the way I'm supposed to talk to God. Oh, thou most blessed heavenly father. Come on. Uh, you don't talk to anybody like that. <laughs> we, we are to relax with the Lord in intimacy with him. And when we do, and when we include him along the way in everything that we do, because he really wants us to, then we experience the real meaning of pray continually. Um, so I want to give you an illustration recently. <clears throat> recently, I was on the, I live in Lexington, Kentucky, and I was on the other side of town and I forgot an appointment I had at my house with a guy who was coming to see me. And uh, at the time, the appointment was to start, and I'm all the way across the other side of town. My wife calls and says, there's a very handsome man who's come to our house today. You need to get home. <laughs> Immediately, I realized I'd forgotten the appointment. Now, what do I do next? I said, I jumped in the car, I said, Jesus I got three possible routes. I can go east, I can go west, or I can go straight through downtown. Which way do you think I should go? And I felt in my spirit that he said, east. So I went east, and I went home. Now, it wouldn't have mattered if I'd gone any of the three ways. I would have gotten there. And as a matter of fact, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't matter in terms of intimacy with Jesus, but I can tell you this. If the same circumstance had occurred and uh, my wife was in the car with me or a friend, I would have said, hey man, I gotta get home fast. Which way do you think I should go? You know why? Because we're friends and we just talk about what's going on in life together. And since Jesus is my friend. We talk about what's going on in life together. I wonder how much you do of that. 
We need to. It's very helpful, especially helpful when I'm approaching a light, running late. I want it to stay green. And I say, Jesus, please, can you keep that light green for me? And it turns red. <laughs> I stop and say, well, Jesus, I guess you were preventing me from getting hit by some fool on up ahead if I'd gotten the green light. I talk to him like that. Do you talk to Jesus? Intimacy with Jesus is essential to our mission because it is his life in us flowing out through us that creates the impact, value, and purpose for which God created us. We all have a mission. So I need to help you this morning capture the thought of your importance to God. Now, any of y'all have kids? Most people in here have kids, okay. Are your kids important to you? If you have more than one, is one not important and the other one is? <clears throat> Do you know there's nobody in the body of Christ who's more important to God than you? Even some great well-known preacher, none more important than you. So I want to help you know that. I want you to repeat after me. I'm going to say it and then we'll come. I am a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. Will you say that with me? I am a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. Let's say that again. I am a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. Now, some of you need to say it a lot of times because I can tell you don't believe it. <clears throat> but you are. God didn't make any of us alike. And he wants to work through us for a purpose that's unique to us. But that purpose is not something we can do ourselves. Finish this sentence for me. And a quote from Jesus. He said, without me, you can do nothing. nothing. Really? I thought I was important. Your participation's important. Your relationship's important. Jesus does the work. <laughs> he accomplishes the stuff. He chooses not to if we won't participate with him. But he could. He just chooses to include us. What a privilege that is. So the uh, other passage I want to read relates to this in uh, Luke chapter 8. Um, it's the story of the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. It's, it's described in the Bible. In our communion with Jesus, by the way, I pretty much quit using the word communion with Jesus because in our corrupted terminology and Christian experience, most people immediately think something related to the Lord's Supper. So I was meeting, uh, I, I meet with uh, uh, several groups of guys, but there's, there's five that I was meeting with uh, a couple weeks on Tuesday, and we were studying this passage together, and frankly, what I'm sharing with you came out of that meeting that day. And part of the question that I had of them, what, what's another word for prayer. We said, well, communion. And they said, no, that sounds too much like the Lord's Supper. What's another word for prayer? And it was in that meeting that we came up. This recently, we came up with the word intimacy with Jesus. Because that's what it is. We're to be intimate with him. 
And out of our intimacy, good things happen. We procreate. Other people come to know Jesus Christ. So our passage starts with that, in fact, in um, Luke chapter 8, just um, verse 39, where we'll start, because I, I want to point out the context of what Jesus was up to here. He was in Galilee, and he went across the Sea of Galilee with his disciples to a place called Gadara, and there he was met by a man we would refer to today as insane. Um, he was a man, the Bible says, that had a legion, a thousand demons, and that they put him in chains. He'd break the chains. The man had unbelievable strength. And he comes up to Jesus, and the demons speak through him and say, what do you have to do with us? And don't, don't send us into the abyss. And Jesus said, okay, I won't. And uh, Jesus sent him into the pigs. <laughs> pigs ran down the hill and drowned, made the owners mad. And, uh, and the next thing you know, the city is coming out to say, what's going on here? And they asked Jesus to leave. I don't know if he was there more than a couple of hours. Very short time. But this guy who had been delivered from these demons says uh, that he wants to go with him. The man from the demons had gone, begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away. And you know what Jesus said to him? I'm going to pause here before I read it. I have been trained in so many evangelism programs. You know, a gathering like this is an equipping center, a place where we're prepared for our kingdom service out there. This is not the kingdom. This is a part of the kingdom, but our service is out there. We gather here to be equipped. I hope you understand that. You didn't come here in order to avoid God zapping you for something. Uh, hopefully you came here because you know you need to be better in your work for the Lord. So I was trained in all these things, uh, evangelism explosion, uh, campus crusade, uh, evangelism training program, two or three Southern Baptist training programs. And uh, so I'm trained and trained and trained in how to teach you how to do evangelism. So one day I decided to study the Bible and that's when I found that the only passage I have found in the New Testament where Jesus did any evangelism training is right here. When the demonic man now healed now clothed, now in his right mind, says, I want to go with you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no. So listen carefully. This is the whole evangelism training program in the New Testament. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. And this guy, it says, went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. <laughs> you know, the Bible doesn't ever call us soul winners. The Bible calls us witnesses. A witness tells what they've seen, heard, and experienced and leaves the results for the lawyers to argue out. And in the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit is the advocate. He's the lawyer. <laughs> and we're the witnesses. So in your circles of influence, if you just tell what the Lord's done for you, then the Holy Spirit will take that and work in their lives and do some convincing to try to help them to see that they need what you have. 
But it's not complicated. You don't have to be obnoxious or confrontational. And mostly you just need to be aware. And in your intimacy with Jesus, you will be aware. So if someone comes up to you at work and says, boy, that was really a rough, rough deal we had yesterday, but you seem to handle it so well. How do you do that? Listen to me, friend. Make sure Jesus' name is in your answer to how you did that. Or you just took credit that you didn't deserve. That's witnessing. Tell what the Lord has done for you. He helped me handle the boss reaming me out for no reason at all. That's what he did. I couldn't do that on my own. I would have gotten angry, maybe walked out, but no, I'm gonna keep my head because Jesus came into my life and gave me something I didn't have before. That's witnessing. And the Holy Spirit will take that in people's lives and cause them to be jealous. I call it evangelism by jealousy. <laughs> okay, the story goes on. We'll get to the point. That's not really the point yet. Sometimes I have little asides I want you to know. But the point's about intimacy with Jesus. However, notice, this man had only been with Jesus a short time, and now he's a witness. Now, when Jesus returned, and by the way, a crowd had gathered on the other side of the lake expecting him to come back right where he departed from. So he either said he was coming back or they were just so eager they wanted to be wherever he happened to land. So when he, Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. So they were expecting him to come back. Then a man named Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. So Jesus says, Okay, he starts off with Jairus. And the next phrase says, Jesus was on his way. When you're on your way to do something that you've decided to do, felt was important to do perhaps, something you just wanted to do, do you ever get any interruptions? And how do you handle those interruptions when they come? You see, when we have a plan, we have accompanying the plan certain expectations about how that plan's gonna go. And those expectations can become problematic very quickly if they're not fulfilled. So sometimes we're on our way and we miss our real purpose, which had to do with being on the way. <laughs> that if he hadn't been on the way, he wouldn't have run into his real purpose. So sometimes what God asks you to do may be the means by which you do something else that he wanted you to do, and you may consider it an interruption. You may consider it a frustration to you. Don't let that happen. Believe that in intimacy with Jesus, he is guiding you in the way that you should go, and that whatever comes along in the meantime are not interruptions, those are divine appointments. If you view it that way, it'll help you a great deal. So here's what happened. Jesus was on his way. The crowds almost crushed him. So he was popular. I always picture the disciples like it a ring around him, like the security guards around the president and that they're 
keeping the people out, you know, and making sure he's safe. And uh, the Bible says a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. So um, they, they wasn't diagnosed as to her bleeding, but 12 years is a long time. She probably had iron deficiency. And uh, I have an opinion about what she might have had. At least she might have had fibroid tumors because they cause bleeding. And at any rate, they didn't have a solution to that at the time. And Matthew says she spent all of her living trying to be healed and she was still sick. But this day, she establishes a parameter for her faith, which is a whole other subject because we do it, establish parameters for our faith. And hers was, if I could touch him, I would be healed. If I could just touch him, well, remember now, there's a big crowd. They're, they're all trying to get around to Jesus, probably trying to touch him like people try to touch the hand of a professional athlete that they like. And uh, I picture it this way. I don't think she was a very strong woman, but she was strong-willed. <laughs> and I believe she just kept trying to get closer and closer and closer. And finally, she saw this very slight opening between perhaps the legs of two of the disciples. And I believe she lunged forward with all her might and barely caught the bottom, the hem of his garment, it says. And she touched it. Oh, and here's what it says about that. She came up, to, up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Her faith healed her. No, Jesus healed her. Because the next thing said is this. Jesus said, who touched me? I don't think he said it that way at all. I think Jesus said, who touched me? Now, Peter's always the spokesman. I love it right here. I have a little interpretation. Remember the crowd around him, about to crush him? Jesus said, who touched me? Here's Peter's. Who touched you? What do you mean who touched you? All the people are trying to touch you. Well, it's all we can do to keep them from banging into you. <laughs> the Bible actually says that he said it this way. <laughs> Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. <laughs> and then Jesus says this, which is the point for today about intimacy with God. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Power has gone out from me. The power of God is available to everyone who has faith. Now this message today is geared to people who really are serious with Jesus, love him and want to follow him. And I'm trying to help you experience greater intimacy with him and the value of that. But with a crowd this large, this many people, it's very likely someone here has not yet committed your life to Jesus and entered his kingdom. His favorite phrase for salvation is enter the kingdom. He said it 17 times. He only said born again twice. He said enter the kingdom 17 times. It's his phrase. It's about you coming under the authority of the king, and he's the king. 
It's not just about you receiving eternal life. That would make it all about you, but it's not all about you. It's about you being what God wants you to be so it can be all about his plan and purpose for his kingdom on earth. And so we enter into service of the kingdom when we come to Jesus Christ. And the Bible calls that repentance. That we turn from self-interest, self-serving activities and we turn to God and serving him and engaging in the activities that he has designed to be important. That's salvation. Now, there's one other thing with it. You have to believe Jesus died and paid for your sins and is going to take all the penalty and punishment away for your sins. But a lot of people believe that who've never repented and belief alone will not save you. You must repent and believe. So, I say that in the event there's someone here who needs to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. And uh, we'll give you opportunity uh, to make that commitment and have someone pray with you uh, in, in a few minutes. In the meantime, back to the rest of you. <laughs> Jesus said, I perceive that power has gone out of me. So here's my question. Do you have a level of intimacy with Jesus that you're conscious of the fact that as you serve, power goes out of you. If you are not conscious of that, you can make some really terrible mistakes in doing really good things in your own strength instead of in the power of God. Complete this. Ready? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. What he has for us is a privilege. We get to participate with him in his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have anything to offer except we want to be intimate with him. And he invites us to participate with him in what he's doing so that what we do gains a level of importance. It's not, it's not how well is the church doing. The church, again, is the equipping center. It's how well is the kingdom of God doing and what's my part in it and how's that happen? Well, it's going to take a lot of power for kingdom stuff to happen, like healing a woman with the issue of blood, or later, which we won't read, the 12-year-old girl being raised from the dead by Jesus. His power is unlimited, and he wants his power to flow through you into the circumstances and settings of your life. I call it your circle of influence. And just so you won't be confused about what that is, your circle of influence starts with your spouse and your kids and your parents and your siblings. It is your family. Your circle of influence is providentially designed by God to be your family. And you need to embrace it. I know you've got some stinking family members, but that doesn't relieve you of the responsibility to love them and serve them in Jesus' name. We are to experience the power of Jesus flowing through us. 
Now, how does that actually happen? Well, he described it this way, and I'm going to describe it in an additional way that's a modern illustration. He said, you're like branches on a vine. He was talking about a grapevine. And he said, I'm like the vine. And the branches don't have any power in themselves. The vine is the source of everything necessary for the branch to produce fruit. So the fruit isn't really ours. It is enabled by our connectedness or intimacy with the vine. So let me give you a modern illustration. Every automobile has an alternator and a battery. Some of the modern cars have lots of batteries. <laughs> the battery has no power of its own. It's the storage unit. And it can be depleted. One time I was in Atlanta driving a diesel vehicle. Thankfully it was diesel because diesels don't need battery power to run the engine once they get going. And my battery went completely dead and I drove from Atlanta back to Dayton. I lived in Dayton at the time <laughs> with no battery power. <laughs> now, I drove my life that way one time. When I was first saved, I got some pretty bad teaching. I, I particularly remember someone who said, well, God saves us all by his grace and mercy, but we gotta keep ourselves. That's really bad teaching. We neither save ourselves nor do we keep ourselves. But I started working really hard for Jesus. But I did not understand connectedness. I didn't understand that as a, as a storage unit, the power isn't mine. I'm simply one who holds his power. But when I got saved, I got so delivered from alcohol, I was walking about this far off the ground, and I was so excited, I was so full of Jesus, you know, Jesus just spilling out. And, uh, but nobody told me what I'm telling you today. And so for five years, I depleted, 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 like a battery not properly connected to the source of real power. And finally, I experienced what everyone would experience if we try to do supernatural work in human strength. I started to have anxiety, worry, fear. My failure to be properly connected to Jesus meant I was engaged in more sin. And uh, I, I was trying so hard to do the right thing that I finally, well, this could happen to you. Some of you here today may be filled with worry or fear or anxiety or, or even worse, burnout. You ever heard of that? I'm not a fan of burnout. <laughs> I don't think it's necessary for Christians. It could be very necessary for unbelievers. They don't have access to the power we have. But there's no, no reason why we who know Jesus need to ever burn out, but I did. I burned out in my fifth year in Christ. I burned out, almost burned up, and ended up in the psych ward for 27 days. Problem? Wasn't connected 
properly. I know. I knew Jesus. He had set me free from some things, but I was trying to do supernatural work in human strength. And it can't be done. It's pretty futile. I know I was counterproductive to the kingdom during most of that time. Because I wasn't in that intimate relationship with a friend. My friend, Jesus. And including him, everything all along the way. And I do want to tell you that during that period of time, there was one exception. I knew that I could not save anybody from their sins. I knew that was only God's business. It was the funniest thing. I had a friend and we'd go out. Uh, we actually went twice a week to talk to people about Jesus. And before we would go, I prayed a prayer I didn't pray any other time because I didn't know it related to anything else I did. I just knew I couldn't save anybody. So every Tuesday and Thursday night, bow my head and say, Lord, I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit in order to witness to people tonight. And you know what? I experienced because I asked and believed. And over a short period of time, frankly, it was amazing. My, my friend and I saw 30 people pray to receive Christ in about a six-month period because we went out in the power of the Holy Spirit, acknowledging our own weakness. What I didn't know was that I need to stay connected to Jesus for his power to flow through me for everything I do, especially the things I think I can do myself. And so do you. So in our workplace, in addition to our homes and families, in our friendships and neighborhoods, in our community, in our Christian gatherings, we need to be so intimately connected with Jesus that when we serve, we would sense power has gone out of me. I should sense, as I share with you today, that power is going out of me. I need to know that. So between the nine o'clock and the 11 o'clock, I had one major responsibility. I needed to make sure that whatever diminished power occurred in the first hour was not diminished for the second hour so that Jesus can serve you well through me. So I had to talk to him about that, connect tightly with him. But you know what? I need that in the workplace. I'm in the workplace. I have rental property and it's very challenging at times to find out what Jesus wants to do through me. And uh, it's uh, an exciting adventure if it's with Jesus. It's not so exciting if I'm on my own. Do you, have you, can you, will you perceive when power has gone out of you and that you need to pause? Again, prayer is a corrupted word. So you can be so ritualistic about it that maybe you've got a, um, a good ritual of praying or reading the Bible for 30 minutes every morning. Not very many people do, but you might be one of them. But even if you do that 
and you check that off your list for the day and go the other 23 and a half hours thinking that you don't need to keep recharged along the way, you will get depleted. You can become anxious and filled with worry and fear if you do not stay with Jesus. It's not always conscious, but it's an awareness that he's always there and that you can always talk to him about the best route to take or whatever it is that's going on in your life at the moment. Like, boy, it was a rough time with my wife this morning. She really made me mad. I know that doesn't happen to any of you all, but that's happened to me before. <laughs> and so all that is, is a call to intimacy with Jesus. Say, Jesus, make my heart right. Make my thinking right. Fix me. Empower me. There are some triggers for intimacy with Jesus that are very powerful. And I think the most significant of triggers is temptation. That temptation is your friend if you recognize it as a call and a reminder to have intimacy with Jesus in it. Lord Jesus, the devil's really after me. I need you right now. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Empower me to resist this temptation. I believe that's how the verse is fulfilled in the Bible where Paul told us that this is a promise. There's no temptation taken you except that which is common to man. But God will, with the temptation, give you the power to resist. Now, where is that power? It's the power of Jesus in and through us. His spirit working in us to give us power over temptation. Temptations are called intimacy. If you stumble, all of us sin every day. If you don't know that, you need to be a little more conscious of your actions. Um, and sin is a great interrupter to intimacy, but only if you don't repent. When we sin, the Holy Spirit makes us aware immediately, but you, you gotta respond to him. So I like to say it this way. When you've sinned and the Holy Spirit reminds you that you've sinned, pay attention to the blisters. Anybody ever notice a guitar player's end of his fingers are calloused? When he started playing, those weren't calluses. What were they? Blisters. That's how it starts. The, the guy doing hard labor starts with blisters. They turn to calluses, and those are good. Those are good calluses. Couldn't play the guitar if he didn't get good calluses. But a calloused heart and a calloused mind are not good. So when you start sensing the blisters, the pain, of your own sin, don't ignore the blisters. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. This is the way you do it. Lord, it has to come from your heart. I'll tell you what to do if you can't come from your heart. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry I sinned. Please forgive me. Cleanse me in your precious blood and fill me fresh and new with your Holy Spirit. That's called walking in the Spirit. 
so that you maintain the intimacy with the Spirit of Christ at all times because you immediately, consciously, deliberately confess your sin, receive forgiveness, you're made perfectly clean and righteous in God's sight and a capable channel for the power of God to go out through you in the circumstances around you. But what if you have a little rebellion in your heart and you really don't want to repent? Well, I think that sincere believers do struggle. I do at times with repentance. But somewhere deep in my heart, I really want to repent even though I'm not repenting. And that's a call for a a major get aside with the Lord, a retreat. Take a day or two days or a week and just stay there until your heart's made right with God so you can be back in the fullness of God and the fullness of his spirit and capable of allowing his power to flow through you. Don't neglect these things. Paul said, how shall we, the Hebrew writer said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So sin interrupts our intimacy with Jesus. But we can deal with that instantly by faith in his cleansing power. Neglect will also do it. And that's where you just, you just don't pay any attention to him. That you choose to just go your way, do your thing. Uh, a lot of people are, are cultural Christians and the fact that they check the boxes. I was. Uh, I grew up uh, going to a church and uh, I thought if I attended regularly and tithed and tried to be a good person, that would get me to heaven. Uh, this is sounds strange, but thankfully I was so bad at being a good person that uh, I, I became aware that it wasn't working for me. And I eventually, after I got out of high school, I did ask Jesus to take over my life, and he did. And uh, had I known about living in the power of God, it would have really been helpful. I don't think I heard about living in the power of the Holy Spirit until just about the time that my life collapsed. But thankfully, I discovered the Spirit-filled life. And you can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to. And be aware that your purpose, your effectiveness, your worth is bound up in fulfilling the purpose for which God made you. Don't try to be somebody else. Just be you. Living in intimacy with Jesus and the power of God flowing through you into your surroundings. That's what he wants for you. And by the way, that's when the promise he made comes true for you in which he said, I've come to give you life. Life in all its fullness. Yeah, this is the life. Life with Jesus. Life in his power. And the qualities of God will start to flow through you that are more visible than simply saying power. And those qualities are love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Those qualities don't belong to us. They belong to God. But when you live with Jesus, his qualities become a part of your life. 
and your life will be better. Your impact will be greater. Your purpose will be more fulfilled. And you will be a person who's joyful in all things, praying continually, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls, since I gave my life to Jesus, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven, my heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Would you stand with me for prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and gave your life for us in sacrifice and that that sacrifice has brought you great joy because uh, many of us and many through the ages have come to love you and know you and follow you. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I ask you to fill us with all the power of God And that through our connection with you, we'd recognize that you want us to be full of power all the time, your power. And that as we stay connected, you'll keep us full and not just full, but overflowing into the people's lives and the circumstances of your kingdom that are all around us. And that we can be your ambassadors in this world. Please, dear Lord, help us to acknowledge you include you and want to be intimate with you all of the time. We love you, Lord Jesus. Our heads are bowed in prayer. I want to suggest a prayer for all of us to pray together aloud. So uh, uh, just pray with me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to live within me. I want to live in your power. I want to have intimacy with you all the time. So help me, Lord, to acknowledge you. Because I love you so much. It's in your name I pray. Amen. During this time, if you have a worry, you have anxiety, you have fear, bordering on burnout, any of those things, 
it's very likely that you're not connecting well enough with Jesus. And there are people here today who would pray with you about that. It's also possible someone here just never has decided to come under Jesus' authority and enter the kingdom of God and find uh, the wonderful life that he has for us. So we give you opportunity to come up here while the musicians are uh, playing and for you to pray and uh, be in communion and intimacy with Jesus. So uh, during the song, if that's you, you have some need in your life, um, some desire, some yearning, and uh, we'd like for someone to pray with you. Please come 